Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. Well, we are in the fourth week of a series we've simply called Shouts and Whispers. And when we look at the scriptures and we look at and we roll through the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation, then as Christ followers, we can see Jesus all over the place. But some people would say, well, wait a second, Jesus doesn't really show up till Matthew. So how do we see Jesus all in the Old Testament? Well, that's what this series is about. We're looking at all the different places where there are these types and shadows and these references and these connections to Jesus. And honestly, we could spend a whole lot more than just simply 10 weeks looking at this. But we are in a 10-week series, and we have been delving into this and looking at different places where, where the Scriptures reveal Jesus ahead of when Jesus gets revealed in the flesh. So take your, uh, your bulletin, your version app, however you're going to cruise along with our notes today, and this, we keep coming back to this concept that to know God better and trust Him more, we need to see that Jesus has been part of the God-man story all along. We need to see that. We need to understand that, that Jesus has been a part of this all the way through. He's not just this new little character that pops on the scene somehow and all of a sudden hijacks what God had been doing on the earth, not remotely. Jesus is the fulfillment of what God had been doing from day one. And he carries this forward for us. And we need to be able to see that throughout the scriptures. And we keep looking at Luke chapter 24. And, and here we catch up. This is resurrection day. This is the not resurrection morning. But this is later on in the day. And Jesus has all, already been revealed to uh, to the, the ladies that, that ran into him there at the tomb. And, and now there's a couple of guys, a couple of people, walking down a road towards this little village called Emmaus. And as they're walking down this road, they are joined by this other person. They don't know it's Jesus, but it's Jesus. It's resurrected flesh and bone Jesus walking along with them. And they begin to converse with Jesus. And here we catch up in verse 24. It says, and then some of our companions, the two people on the road are telling Jesus this. It says, some of our companions went to the tomb and they found it just as the women had said. The women had said, he's resurrected. We saw him. The tomb's empty. All of this. They've got firsthand eyewitness account of resurrected Jesus. And they're telling Jesus about them getting this firsthand resurrected account. And they said, but they didn't see Jesus. And he said to them, but how foolish you are and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. So now he's going back to this, all these scriptures and he begins to take them back on this journey. And he's, he's pulling these scriptures out, these scriptures they know by heart. And he's just explaining to them as they go. And you know what? I would love to be able if there was just someone taking dictation. Which one did Jesus start with first? Which one did he grab first? Which one did he reference? How did he tie all these together? Jesus, the word became flesh, is telling these people 
about the word of God. What an amazing moment. And you know what? Not a single one of those. Not a single one of those gets put down. It's just this truth right here that he explained to them all, all the scriptures concerning himself. I love it what that this, this passage of scripture leaves it open for the Holy Spirit to work in our lives as we read the scriptures and we can step in and see all of these moments. I don't think I think we would be too limited if it just said what well, Jesus started here or he started there in Isaiah or he, or he started here in the Psalms or he goes back here to Genesis and he grabs these different moments. And, and I think we the Holy Spirit can get can begin to play a, a vital role in our lives because there's so much there's so much firepower there in the scriptures to reveal who Jesus is. But if we're not careful, we can forget what we're, what we're dealing with. We can forget how, how powerful and alive it is. And that when everything comes together in the right way, man, awesome things happen. Man, I, uh, I have always enjoyed uh, fire. And so those who have been to our men's retreats know that uh, Pastor Brandon likes a big fire. And so we have big bonfires, and it's awesome. And uh, so, but I've always liked fire. And so I started lots of fires in our backyard. And, and um, um, I thank God that got me into the ministry so I wouldn't become an arsonist. And so, and so I just focus my energies here. I just like fire. And, um, and so I've always enjoyed it. And I've always understood that this basic premise, you know, that you've, you've got to have heat, and you've got to have some sort of fuel, and you've got to have oxygen to have fire. It's pretty simple. It doesn't take a, a scientist to understand these things. And so we were going years ago when Cutie and I were first getting to know one another. Uh, we go to the Monahan Sandhills. I grew up in Odessa, Texas, so just 30 miles up the road is Monahan Sandhills State Park. And so we were going to go hang out at the Sandhills and... Enjoy that. So I took a load of mesquite wood with me, not realizing it was illegal to build ground fires there at the place. The, the, the ashes stay out. It's, you know, if everybody did it, there would just be b burn piles everywhere, you know. So I didn't think about that. I thought about me. And uh, so I take my wood in the back of my truck, and we go, and we have a great time playing volleyball and cooking out and all that and then it became evening so I dig a real big pit trying to be real responsible you know stick all my fire in there get a good fire going sure enough here comes the guy who runs the park and he comes up and says okay that's you can't do that and we had to put it out and you have to put it out completely and you have to haul every charred remain out of the park you have to get it all out. You can't leave anything here. You can't bury it. You've got to get it all out of here. And he wrote me a $200 ticket. And so I was like, lesson learned. And uh, so I do it. We put it out. We're respectful. And load up all of the charred remains in the back of my pickup and get going. Well, we were handling them with our hands and whatnot. I thought that they were out. But on the bottom side of some of the bigger chunks, there's still some heat in there. When you get ripping down I-20 at 70 miles an hour, you provide oxygen. Lots of oxygen to this pile of hot wood in the back of my pickup truck. Well, of course, you know, the, the gas tanks are right under that metal, 
that metal uh, bed over there. And I'm going down the highway talking to my buddy. It's dark. It's at night. And, of course, we'd had that fire. And all of a sudden, I see something glimmering in my rearview mirror. And there's a nice fire in the bed of my pickup. A nice campfire going down the road. And I thought, I'm sure some redneck thought, that's awesome. <laughs> that is so cool. That is brilliant. Just take your campfire everywhere. I'm going to do that. And so, uh, the, uh, anyway, so we pull over, have to deal with it, get the, get the fire out the best we can. But the thing was, for you, so many times, we forget we forget we can trip over things, deal with things, and forget how powerful and, and amazing and wonderful they are. When the right elements come together, everything changes. That Jesus, when he's going through and revealing himself in the scriptures, it's changing the way we look at the scriptures. It's changing the way we look at ourselves. It's changing the way everything. And all of a sudden, this beautiful breath of the Holy Spirit, this beautiful burst of oxygen comes in to what we thought was dead and dry and put away in yesterday's news. And it's not. It's alive and it's active and it's powerful and it feeds us and it can bring life to us. So as we look at these today, I want us to look at it from that perspective. Not just trying to find some little tiny little spark of life in something that was, seems to be old and, and put away. It's so much fun to, to read the, the, the writings of Paul and, the, and what the teachings of Jesus and all of those different things. But I'm telling you that Deuteronomy and Leviticus and Exodus and all those are rich with who Jesus is and what he was going to do. And we have to understand that. We have to understand when you bust open your Bible and we've broken it up into two pieces and, and we've got the Old Testament or Old Covenant and we've got the New Testament, the New Covenant. And so many times what we can think of is that this, this New Covenant why in the world was there even a need for one? Jesus, again, come along and hijack everything. Everything was rolling along a certain way, and Jesus brought this new thing and, and completely hijacked it. No. See, the new covenant was not a new concept. So many times we can think that when Jesus brings about this new covenant, that it was this brand new concept that no one had ever thought about this before, that the Scriptures had nothing to say about this in advance, and that's just not the truth. The new covenant was not a new concept. God wanted what the new covenant would bring all along. God was moving in this direction the whole time. See, when Jesus sat at a table, there at the Last Supper, last supper with 12 good Jewish guys, 12 Hebrews who knew the scriptures, who were following a rabbi, these guys were devoted to the, what God was doing in their day. They were looking for God to be up to something exciting and fresh. And they were looking at the scriptures to be fulfilled. They knew what the scripture said. So when these 12 guys sit around a table there at the Last Supper, and Jesus grabs the bread and he grabs the cup, and they know what's going on. So when, when we get to Luke 22, 20, says, in the same way after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Well, first off, his blood hadn't even been poured out. He hadn't even gone to the cross. He hasn't been whipped. There hadn't been any blood poured out. And so that piece doesn't make sense. But all of a sudden, he's saying, this is the new covenant? 
These guys didn't throw their hands up. These good Jewish Hebrew guys who were following a rabbi didn't freak out and go, a new covenant? A new covenant? What are you talking about? We're following you because we felt like you were on the trajectory of what God was doing with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all these different things. What do you mean a new covenant? They didn't freak out because they knew. They knew that this was part of what God was doing all along. Let's go ahead and look at Jeremiah 31, 31. That is, Jesus had grabbed that cup and he, with a, with a shout, we still echo today. This is the, every time we take communion, we do the Lord's Supper. We say this is the cup of the new covenant of his blood. We shout it out today. We see here the whisper of it coming. Jeremiah 31, 31. Jeremiah the prophet says, the days are coming, declares the Lord. When I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt. What covenant is he referencing when he says that he takes them? The covenant I made when I took my people out of Egypt. He's talking about this covenant from Exodus. He's talking about this covenant that gets set down here in Exodus. When the people had been in bondage and enslaved in Egypt and they're walked out of there. And he says that I'm gonna, when I led them out of the hand out of Egypt. Because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time. You see, the other covenant was a broken covenant. The old covenant was a broken one. They couldn't keep it. You and I couldn't keep it. We couldn't do it. All it did was show us how broken and busted we are. We needed a new covenant. The people of Israel needed a new covenant. They were looking. These guys, when Jesus grabbed that cup and said, this is the cup of the new covenant. Man, they were excited. Yes, what had been talked about all this time instead of this old broken system there's going to be something new and fresh and here comes what it is going to look like i will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts now instead of it being on some tablet on some chunk of stone on something that's out there that you look at and it speaks to you and it and it and it tells you where you failed and all these different things. I'm now going to put it at the very seat of where you make your decisions, of where you live and where you choose and how you interact with everybody. I'm now, I'm going to write this in your minds and write it on your hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. He's talking to a people who already are like, no, we're your people. We're your people. You're our God. We're your people. Jeremiah is speaking to the Jewish people, the, the, the Israel nation. And here God saying, I'm going to be their people? I'm going to be their God? What are you talking about? No, no, no. You're our God. We're your people. What's this? You're going to be there. What's, what's happening here with this new covenant? Other people are going to get in on this? This is going to be more expansive than just the people you're addressing that you're going to be theirs? It's going to be... It's going to have this outreach. It's going, to, it's going to get bigger. 
It says, no longer will they teach their neighbor, say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the, to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. How beautiful. How beautiful is this new covenant? I'm going to make a new covenant. I'm going to empower them to connect with me and me be their God and then be my people because I'm going to put something on the inside of them. And I'm not going to remember their mistakes. I'm not going to remember their sins. I'm going to forgive their wickedness. The times that they were horrible, terrible, where they can't forgive themselves, I'm going to forgive it. And my forgiveness is going to empower them to forgive themselves. I'm going to step in and change the scope of everything with this new covenant and they were excited and when jesus comes along and he grabs that cup and says this is the cup of the new covenant like yes what god has been doing all this time it's now coming to a place of fulfillment it's now becoming alive i love it that the writer of hebrews who nobody knows exactly who wrote it but writes this letter to the hebrew people the people who were the ones who were going to grab on to the old system the hardest. Who were going to protect the old ways the strongest. That I love it in the heroes we read in the New Testament. That the language that some of the strongest about the New Covenant is written directly to the Hebrew Christ followers. The Hebrew people. The Jews. So let's catch up with it in Hebrews chapter 8 verse 6. It says, but in fact, the ministry Jesus has received is as superior to theirs as the covenant which he is mediator is superior to the old one. Since the new covenant is established on better promises. The new covenant that we have is established on better promises. The old promises were good. You can look through. You can look through the, the old covenant and see some amazing, beautiful things that were promised. You can see some, but they were always with these stipulations. They were always these connections. They were always with these if-thens. The new, better promises are about the fact that it's not dependent on us to fulfill it. That there's the carrot at the end of it. But it's that what Jesus did. That Jesus came and Jesus fulfilled it. Jesus came and he brought it about. And now the promises are available to us as his followers, as his children. It says, for if there had been nothing wrong with the first covenant, no place would have been sought for another. But God found fault with the people. The people blew it. The people messed up. We could not keep the old place where you have this little system where you do this and you do that and you finally get everything right and you achieve this connection with God. The people couldn't do it. So God took that piece out of the way. He said he found fault with the people. I lost my spot. There we are. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them out of the, out of, <clears throat> by the hand to lead them out of Egypt. Because they did not remain faithful to my covenant. And I, will <clears throat> and I turned away from them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will establish 
with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one to the other, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, for I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. The writer of Hebrews made sure that these Jewish readers, that this letter was intended to, to recognize that, there's, that Jesus established a new covenant. That he's not remembering our sins anymore. The old system of us trying to claw our way to do all of these things just right to do it is dealt with. Jesus finished it. Remember, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. He was in there fixing it. That was why he was establishing a new covenant, a new agreement, a new terms. That it wasn't based It wasn't based on anything that humanity brought to the table. It was based on what God brought to the table. So as we understand that there's this new covenant, that we're new covenant followers, that we're new covenant people, then we have to look at everything through a new covenant lens. We have to look at everything with a new covenant thought. When we read the old scriptures, we have to look at it with new covenant eyes. We have to see what Jesus has done and what he's established in us. And then we will see the truth that Jesus didn't come to abolish the law and the prophets. He came to fulfill it. He came to do what it could not do. He came to bring life and and all that. We need to remember that we are ministers of this new covenant. Now, as a minister, the first place you minister to is to you. You know the thoughts going on in your head. You have conversations with you every day. And you need to make sure that you minister to yourself out of a frame of a new covenant. Because how many of us in this room can really beat ourselves up a little bit? Is there anybody else? Am I the only person that can really whoop on me real good? I think all of us can find ourselves being our deepest critic, our harshest person to deal with. And that we have to remember that we're going to make sure that we're on the side of what the Holy Spirit is doing. That when we minister to ourselves, we minister, we coach ourselves back to our relationship with God and and our connections to, to who He is and what He's done through a new covenant framework. And then, of course, then we minister to others. We minister to the people in our immediate family. We minister to the people who are around us. We interact. We connect. Remember, minister simply means to serve. So as we're serving anyone, as we're doing our jobs, as we're making any sort of life connections, we need to do it with a new covenant mindset. Let's look at what Paul wrote to the Corinthian church. There in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. It says, He has made us competent as, as ministers Of a new covenant, not of the letter, which is referring to the letter of the law, everything chiseled in stone. It says, but of the spirit, for the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Folks, that is some strong language. I didn't write this. Paul writes this. The guy who was a, was a, a Jew of Jews, a Hebrew of Hebrews, this guy was, was studied under the number one rabbi of his day. He doesn't discount 
or, or make light of what God had been doing through, the, through Israel and the prophets all this time. He doesn't make light of it. What he does is he makes grand of what Jesus has done. And the bigness of what Jesus has accomplished overshadows all of the other stuff that led up to it. It says, now if the ministry that brought death, look at what he's saying. Remember the wages of sin is death. Paul says, if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone. What was he talking about? He's talking about those Ten Commandments. He's talking about all of those different things. He says, if this ministry, if holding that up, you have to remember, folks, that in Exodus chapter 19, where God led his people out by the hand, where Jeremiah is referencing, that in chapter 19, Exodus 19, God called all the people to himself. And God is awesome and amazing. And nature can't hold him. And nothing can. In fact, there's a new, new song that references it on the, the new uh, um, Hillsong United album that references scripture about the mountains melt like wax before him. Directly out of scriptures. And so here they're to meet God on this mountain. And like with a God presence there, it was shaken. The mountain was shaking. And there was this tumultuous atmosphere around the mountain. And it was intimidating. And they wanted a tame God. They didn't want a living, powerful God. They wanted a tame God that they could stick in their pocket and pull out when they had to battle an enemy and say, God, sick them. God, do our fighting for us. They didn't want a relationship with the creator of the universe. They wanted a tame God. I love what, what <clears throat> C.S. Lewis writes there in the Chronicles of Narnia and the Lion, the Witch, and the ro- Wardrobe as, as, as he, uh, God is personified in the lion, the massive, powerful lion, Aslan. And, and as the, the kids are coming to meet him for the first time, they're, they're intimidated. Why? Because he's big and he's powerful. And they say, is he tame? And Mr. Beaver doesn't say he's tame. He says, no. Oh, no, he's not tame. But he's good. He's good. Folks, our God isn't tame. The God who took all that he did upon himself and dealt with all of this, the brutality of the cross is not a tame God. That is a passion, that love that says, I will let nothing stand in the way between me and who I love. And I will take all the wrath and all the anger and all the hate and all the sin. And I will deal with it myself so that we can be reconciled. That is not a tame God, but it is a good God. He is good. And the people of Israel wanted a tame God. And they said, nope, nope, nope. In chapter 19, nope, nope, nope. Moses goes up. Gets a couple of things. They're like, we'll just do what you say, God. We get the big ten. All the thou shouts. And of course, they fail with that covenant miserably. So God wants to take it not on stone, but put it on the inside of us where it was supposed to be all along, relationally. So some ministry that bought death was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory. He doesn't downplay it. It was amazing. It was amazing. It helped 
carried things as far as they got, but it was incomplete. So that the Israelites could not look steadily on the face of Moses because of its glory. Transitory though it was. Will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious. Again, he's referring to death and condemnation connected with if all you see is your relationship with God. As a list of rules to do. You will end up with death and condemnation. That's not what he wanted. He wanted a new covenant where he put it in our hearts. And it's relational. And it's alive. And he remembers our sins no more. And we're free to pursue him. And love him. And go after him. And he did the work. And enabled us to be who we were called to be. All along. If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious. How much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness, that makes things right. See, God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we're awake or asleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, comfort one another and edify one another, just as in fact you're doing. This is how we minister to one another. We have the best news on the planet. We have the best news on the planet. Not the news of God's given you the list of how what to do to, to dazzle him and, and make, him, make him happy. It's that God loves you so much he took it all on himself and God's made you right with God. He's done it. Good news. Believe it. You're right with God. He did it in Christ. Believe it. That is the beauty of the good news. Now let's look. I want us to put on new, new covenant lens. Okay? Let's put on new covenant lens. Remember, Jesus didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. To make it be what it was supposed to be. Okay? And I want you to put on a new covenant lens. Okay? And we're going to go through and, and, and I, want you, I want to read that Exodus 20 passage to you. I want, you, I want to read the big, the big Ten Commandments to you. With an exodus, not an, with, a, with a new covenant lens. Okay? And the word shall is an older word, but we could just as easily say the word will. Just like you say, thou shall not pass. You will not pass. Okay? So now I'm going to read this to you. That we've got a God alive on the inside of us. And now all of a sudden, instead of these weighty promises... What if what the Holy Spirit does on this side, these become promises fulfilled? With, with me, with the new covenant, you will have no other gods. It's done. You will have no other ones. It's fulfilled. You will not make yourselves carved images or graven idols. You won't do it. Because you're changed on the inside. You won't bow down and serve other gods. You will not murder. You will not commit adultery. With me alive on the inside of you, you won't do it. You don't have to have these big things pushing you. Going, oh my gosh, I'm going straight to hell if I deviate off my wife. 
kind of, that's not love. Love says, I wouldn't even think about anybody but my wife. I wouldn't think about anybody but my husband. That's what love does. It says, you won't. You won't commit adultery. You won't steal. You won't talk bad about your neighbor. And you won't covet what your neighbor has. You won't always be wanting that next thing. How freeing is that all by itself? That is the spirit of Christ comes alive in us and fulfills it. We're not had a list, a shopping list, and go says, go do that. You fulfill it. He fulfills it. Oh my gosh, it's a totally different mindset. Folks, we are new covenant people with new covenant realities, with good and better promises. You and I as new covenant people ought to be leaning towards better all the time. We'll be looking for better in our relationships, looking for better in our health, looking for better in our finances, looking for better on every front. We ought to be looking for better because God is for us and he's coming to bring life to us. See, our bottom line is the new covenant brings life. New covenant, it brings new life. The old covenant was a ministry of death. It was when you meet the standard or, or you don't make it. And now Jesus is the standard. Jesus is the one that fulfills it. See, when we see everywhere Jesus is revealed, we begin to see Jesus revealed everywhere. Folks, God is so good. And he loves you. There has been a straight line trajectory from the moment that humanity walked away from God through to this day of God pursuing us, going after us, working in us. That's why we know that the law of love, it fulfills all the law and the prophets. We live in love and all the rest of it just gets handled. Love makes it all work. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.